well. Happy Friday. Um, what we're going to do today on Fridays is really try to go through questions. And the real goal of questions is to bring out ideas that are lingering. When I'm, when we're, I, I don't have the benefit of seeing so many people that are with us. But when you're ask, asking questions and you're sending me emails, it allows us to take the material that we're working on together and sort of nuance it a little bit better. So I look forward to this, these sessions, and then uh, hopefully we'll start to figure out another way to do it on a more daily basis, even just for a few minutes a day so that we have it. Um, I'm going to go to the emails, and then I'll go to whatever's left on the chat. So I have the chat open as well. So, uh, okay, here we go. Um, first, I want to give a shout-out to Lisa for, for your words. Thank you for your emails. Rebecca sent in a great email yesterday. I want to just read it because it's what we've been talking about. She said, I started to do four things on an index card. My mind was resisting and trying to push it off. Why do I need to do it? What's the use? Stay in comfort, blah, blah, blah. All the old tapes. But I persevered and did it. And it's amazing how I did create the reality. It grounded the decision for me that I needed to do these four things, and I've done them. And I've, and I've been putting it off for no reason to be put off. So that's from Rebecca. And I think that's a, a critical point that she's bringing out. And the word that I want to jump on is, is tapes. There's, there, we have old tapes. It's, 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 not just, it's not just things that we do automatically. It's language. It's the, the words we tell ourselves. Why do I got to do it? It's not going to work. What's the use? It's not going to help. These are, these are old tapes that we play in our minds. And what we've been talking about is language, speech. When you marry the ritual with the new language, which you spoke about yesterday in affirmations, not only are you working to get the strength to do it, but you're also working to change the tape, which is in a critical piece of this. So thank you, Rebecca. Um, from Richard, Richard asked an awesome question. Richard's question is regarding prayer. For those that pray on a daily basis, we have something called Davening, which is really words you say out of a sitter. So he says, a common problem people face when they daven, when they pray three times, is it becomes a ritual where they go through the motions, they say the words very quickly without any understanding. How do you inject enthusiasm to things done very, very frequently? So here's an amazing question that has to be discussed, right? If what we're saying is that rituals make things automatic, the things that need to be enthusiastic if they're becoming automatic, you're taking out me, right? I don't have any value in brushing my teeth. I don't bring my enthusiasm. I don't bring me into brushing teeth. I'm a robot. So my brain clicks into robot mode, goes into the bathroom, brushes his teeth. I don't even have conscious brain, right? Driving to work requires no conscious activity for the most part if you're doing it for many years. So if you have the right rituals, you're now going to point the computer in the right direction. That's awesome. But... The problem with pointing the computer in the right direction is that it's a computer now, right? If you come down every day and you, and you know that your wife likes when you say, good morning, honey, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, here's a cup of coffee I made for you. And after a bunch of years, you're just like basically brain dead. Hi, honey, how are you? How are you doing? Here's a cup of coffee for you. She's not going to appreciate it, but you made her the cup of coffee. The answer is because she wants you. She doesn't want the coffee. So in the beginning, she was asking for like you to, she was, she felt connected to you when you said the words and did the thing. 
But if you're doing it for 20 years and you could basically be, you know, sleepwalking and doing it, it's not going to have the impact. So there's the balance between doing things automatically, which is great for your brain, but it, it doesn't bring you into it. And when it comes to something like prayer, it's a big deal. So how do you do it? And the answer is you have to always be going deeper. The goal of a ritual is it makes things automatic. When something becomes automatic, you don't, got, you don't have to use your conscious brain for it, right? Remember the willpower. You now can use your willpower for something else. So what else are you using your willpower for? So when it comes to a relationship or when it comes to prayer, you can use your willpower to go deeper. So you know how to say the words now, but do you know what every word means? Now using your willpower to get deeper into the words. Now you know what every word means. Do you know maybe one of the, what are the connections between the words? What are the Kabbalistic meanings of the words? Where do the words come from? We don't have to use our brains to create rituals in order to then move to something that is different. Once we create a ritual, we can now take our brain for the things that are worth it and now use it to go deeper on the same thing. You hear what I'm saying? So I know how to play basketball. But if I wanted to be a professional basketball player, as soon as I know the rules of the game and that's ritualized, now I got to take my mind and now learn the strategy of the game. And when that's ritualized, I got to learn the strategy of the deep, right? I'm constantly deepening my understanding of the thing that I've ritualized the surface. This is really how expertise is built. It's you do something long enough, the rituals cover the surface and that becomes automatic. Then you spend your willpower on the next level deeper and the next level deeper and the next level deeper. And throughout your life, what is automatic to you is so much deeper than what is normal for other people that you're the expert in it. And you have what's called the gut. If you ever read this book from Malcolm Gladwell called Blink, incredible book on this. That's why someone could walk in and like hear someone cough and know that person's got needs need to throw culture because they've ritualized it. It's been so often that now they can get to a place that is so much deeper than the usual ear and it feels normal for them. So this applies to everything in life. Wherever you're in a situation where you are, you're creating things through rituals, be mindful that you have the opportunity now to take that ritual and not change just another ritual, add another thing to your day, which is what we've been talking about. This is why I love questions, because Richard, it's exactly the point that I missed. But because of your questions, we can now talk about it. You can now take your mind that is free, right? These, the willpower is now free, and now apply it not to something else. Apply it to the next level deep. To understand your wife at a deeper level. To understand your ch child, maybe. To understand a deeper level of connection. So now that only makes it automatic that you do that, and then it continues the game. So hopefully that's, that's a great way, especially when it comes to prayer, that you get to a place where you're so deep, what feels automatic to you is so much deeper that you really stand in the morning and connect to God, which is what prayer is supposed to be. Okay. Um, I want to thank Orit for her suggestions of corn muffins, Lazy Bean and Cafe, Cafe and Teenac. I got to check those out one day. But I appreciate your um, your words. I want to get to your question, Orit. I had a great question today. So, Rachel, I'm going to answer your question. Um, it's a very specific question. I'll answer it privately. Um, Solomon Motorin from Sao, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Great question from him about the three-year-old. You've got an older individual. He's in his 60s. 
his his relative created a life sophisticated right like how do you balance that with the three-year-old Remember, we spoke about finding your inner three-year-old so let's understand what a three-year-old stands for a three-year-old stands for a few things but when we speak about the three-year-old we stand we talk about it from the perspective of the image the three-year-old has no image issues remember there's us then there's our image they're two totally separate creations that we've made there's the real me then there's the image of me and the image of me is how i portray myself to the world now i may have to do it that's called living in society i do get dressed up in the morning what i do in my own personal bedroom and what i do in a boardroom could be different fine but when we stop when we lose perspective as to what's me and what's my image it becomes very difficult to make changes so the perfect example is am i is it am i me or am i a lawyer so if i am the image of that successful lawyer and i lose my law job i can't adapt because it's not just like i just lost a job i lost a piece of me so when we make moves when we make decisions when we have the ability to be vulnerable when we make changes a lot of the energy that we are investing is into the energy of maintaining our image how we look versus who i am there's a certain group of willpower that we allocate every day to maintaining how we look to others it happens from it happens from what we do every day it happens from what we spend on as i told you the story of the guy who was struggling financially but had to now borrow money to go on vacation because everyone else in his community went on vacation and he didn't want to appear as not being successful so there's a certain image of not being successful that required him to go into deeper debt but there's an emotional investment to to being maintaining how we look to others that emotional investment doesn't exist in a 3-year-old he's just taking on the world he fails and gets up he doesn't care sometimes he looks stupid he just doesn't care he, he doesn't see skin color he doesn't see denominational difference he doesn't get stuck up an image of others of himself he just does that myopic viewpoint of doing and not getting bogged down in the 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 outside exterior of others is the 3-year-old and that applies whether you're 3 or whether you're 120 and i hope that that adds some clarity to it isel hager has a great um he has a great idea here i want to share with people um thanks for listening to the to the to the boost i appreciate it um he said this great idea here's what he said it's a ritual that he thought of listen to this for those who are interested in these things take a string buy a string and create a 100 thread count or whatever number a 2 foot a 2 foot long rope okay every day you accomplish your ritual cut one string symbolizes the removal of the habit or the neural network that you have right when we speak about when you create a new ritual you're cutting down your synaptic pruning your old ritual so create that string he says so it's a, it's a great physical and just cut a piece of it and over time it'll symbolize 
the impact you're having on your old ritual so that you can look back and literally see just how much you've accomplished just by doing the new ritual every single day. Now, the goal is to never miss a day to cut it. And it's a very powerful piece of this ritual, right? You have to never have miss a day. So it's a physical reminder of how you are changing yourself. So I thought that was a great, a great, rich, great idea for people. But what I, what I, this is a great thing that we spoke about this week about a buddy of mine who would throw the, the, the paper clips into the cup. If you're building your rituals, remember, if you can create some physical manifestation of the ritual beyond just doing it, that you can remind yourself checks or tickets or something, uh, it'll really help. Um, Okay, here's Orid's question. For personal growth, we're being encouraged to introspect, analyze, and search for truth. However, for relationships, the advice is to step back and, and step back for peace instead of truth. How do we switch between the two modes of thinking, analysis versus acceptance? Excellent question. The answer is you have to recognize the different modes that we're in, but they're all one mode, and the mode is ourselves. It's all one. All we're doing in this world is building ourselves. We're, we're not, we're not re- relating to people. Let me say this right. When we relate to people, it's more about us than it is about them. Right? So when, when your child says something to you or your friend, the way you're processing their words is less about what they're saying and more about how you hear it. That's the schema. Right, So when we talk about relationships, really what we're talking about is us. If we're humble, if our schema is clear, if we're giving, right? When we spoke about this earlier about this idea of connectedness, if it's going this way or that way, significant. These are all our stuff. We're just working us ourselves out. And we got other people around that are either going to help it or, or, or make it harder for us. So if we think for one second that the reason why I'm mad at that other person is because of what they said, maybe, maybe, but not really, not really. There's a great name. There's a great man named Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. He writes about this idea of being in the Nazi camps and realizing that the Nazis can take everything from him except for his ability to choose. He can choose how to respond. And that ability to make a choice was like the thing that he held on to because they couldn't take that from him. What he recognized was even in the relationship to to evil, staring him in the face, he was still in control. It was still about him. They've taken everything from him, but still at the end of the day, it was about him and his ability to control how he wanted to respond. Now, when you're dealing with a Nazi, where you're dealing with a family member, you're talking about like a billion miles apart. But the principle still applies. Interrelationships are really a lot about us and how worked out we are. So whenever we deal with other people, our default should be acceptance because we have to be concerned with our own bias. We have to always be on guard that our bias is getting in the way. So I have to... I have to, the tie has to go to the runner on this one. The tie has to go to the person across from me. So this way I can accept them, give them the benefit of the doubt, give to them, even if they're driving me insane. 
because I know that A, it'll make me a better person, but more importantly, that's their problem. If they can't talk, that, that's not, I got to worry about how I respond. And so we're always in a place with ourselves of working ourselves. And we're, when it comes to ourselves, we always should be a little bit more introspective and harsher, if you will. Not from a place of negativity, but from a place of we can be better. But when it comes to others, we should always err on the side of caution. Because we really don't know as that if the reason why we're getting upset or reacting is 100% because of them or part of it because of us. Hope that makes sense. Okay, let's keep on rolling. Are there practices to help us be in the moment and stay there from Claire? Claire, great question. What's a great way to stay in the moment? The answer is create, and we did this, I think, on the, one of the shows, create 30-second delays. Wherever you are, create a ritual that you're going to give 30 more seconds, two more minutes. Create short bits of deferrals of paying attention to something. Okay, so I'm playing ball with my kid. Um, yeah, Luron has a good one too, but focus on breathing. I'm focusing on my child and we're playing football in the backyard. And I'm like, I got to send that email. I got to send the email. My brain's like, get us in the email. So now I'm throwing a ball, but my brain's in the email, right? I can't not think of the email and I can't, what, what am I gonna do? 30 seconds, two minutes, short. I'll do it in 30 seconds. I'll do it in two minutes. If you can find the time of day, great. You sit down at dinner and you got a million more things to do. You tell you set your, take out your, your phone and set your, your timer for five minutes and say, I'll think about it in five minutes and I'll know when in five minutes because the timer will go off. You come to pray in the morning and you got a thousand things in your head, set the timer and go 35 minutes, whatever it is. Now, if you can find a way to do the same thing every day, great. If you can't, do it in the situations. Remember, we spoke two different types of routines. There's the proactive routines that you schedule and structure. Then there's the reactive routines that come throughout your day. Here's a great one. Once a day, when you're in the moment and something else gets in your way, pull out your phone, set your clock for two minutes, go back in the moment and train yourself to say, I'll think about it in two minutes. And whatever it takes, think about it. Hold off and stay where you are in two minutes. Um, the second way to stay in the moment really is to take them your mind and focus more on the things in front of you like double up your focus intentionally on the conversation or on the food or on the environment i always find that deferring allows me to have the break that i need and i know that i'll get to it in a few seconds or a minute or whatever that is that to me is how you know shabbat saved my life okay i want to go a couple of minutes to the uh, the chats and then we'll call it i know we're running out of time here um Oh yeah, there's a movie called Inside Out with different character traits. And yeah, is this is this? Look, yeah, it's a cartoon movie called Inside Out. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's very interesting. Sort yeah, um, yeah. Michelle Levy speaks about prayer is to connect Hashem, and you only do that when you're when you are um, when you're free. Um, okay. One, let's do one more. Well, let's do two more. Okay. If we can address from Ariel, if we can address why there are many people living in the image of the bigger and the more glittering is better in well-off families and communities from New York to Paris, it would be interesting. To say, yeah. The reason why a lot of people live in this glittering world is because they think that in order for me to be significant, I have to be living in this world. Let's, let's just end with this idea. Um, 
this is a great, I'll let's just end with Ariel's question. Um, why are people striving so much for this stuff? Why do people strive so much for bigger, more, 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 more? It's a trap. It's a total trap. You, 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 we should have things. We should be successful. But the, the, the pursuit of stuff to no end, of which some people seem to be on, the never-ending pursuit of getting, has very little to do with, do with the stuff. It's really about feeling significant. And here's a real big thing. And I think this is an important way to close. Um, you have to be really careful with who you surround yourself with. This is really important. If you surround yourself in around people or around an environment that thinks that significance equals wealth, then, and you want to be significant, you're going to spend your life trying to be wealthy. But the challenge is that the wealth won't really matter because the wealth is just trying to fill the hole of significance. If you if you're around people who are that think that significance is contribution, you're going to incline to to contribute more. We have to realize that there are people that are sort of counterculture, but most people are not counterculture. And so you have to find the balance of the people around you that you respect that is the right balance for your life. And for some people there is balance and some people there isn't. And they are stuck in worlds where there has been a, a, a trophy that has been placed that they, they over time have forgotten that it's just a trophy. And that significance has nothing to do with what you get. It's who you become along the way. And if we're not going to become visible of these things, even if we don't change, but to call it out, we may end up spending our lives chasing things just to get someone else to tell us that we're significant and then wake up one morning and go, oh my gosh, I don't even really enjoy it. And the, th the stuff that I really want to do in my life, I can't do because I spent my life doing the things to get someone else to say that I'm significant. That's why people chase things. What we chase is really important, right? Who, what we're chasing is a big testament to who we are. All right. We'll try to figure out a way to do more Q&A. Thanks so much for sending it in. Uh, have an incredible weekend. Shabbat Shalom. And the next week, we're going to continue on with, with speech. we got to take it up to a couple more levels before we can move past it. So thanks so much for joining us this week. Thanks so much. It means so much to me that you're here. Wherever you watch this, it means the world to me. Really, it really, really does. Have a great weekend. Shabbat Shalom. And I look forward to seeing you next week. God's help. Perfect.